Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. My bookie prize week and a half continues. Got to make sure you guys are staying up to date. I hope you enjoyed the uh, the wild prize series you guys had over the weekend. Friday there were three. Saturday, Sunday they had some odds boost stuff. Today over at my bookie, twenty five free spins on the uh, Santa's something or another casino game. I don't want to oversell it. So I'll just tell you, I won $4. <laughs> but you know what? It's $4 I didn't have before. So it was worth it. And I got it for playing a casino game with house money. So the way I see it, all is well. And I would suggest you guys do the same. Again, this is for everybody, not just new customers. Head to mybookie.ag, log in. And when you log in, give it about five, six, seven seconds, something like that. A pop-up window will come up in your face And it'll tell you you can claim your 25 free spins and you go use them. And, you know, some people are winning $30, $40, $50. I won four. I think I'm just a little bit unlucky. But perhaps you will be more so. And either way, it's free spins. It's free money. You're going to win something, even if it's 35 cents. So go enjoy it. And we'll tell you what's coming up when we figure it out tomorrow. They're not telling us ahead of time. So I got to log in before I do the podcast. And then I can tell you. If you don't have an account, use promo code Hoopball on the third page of sign up. Yes, it's our old name. And then you can get in on the fun as well. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today, everybody. I'm your host, Dan Bespris. This is a sports ethos presentation. Yes, some of our old codes still work, but we are sports ethos. And we have a massive weekend to recap with people, NBA athletes, by the bowlful, heading into freaking COVID protocols. I mean, it is, it's a little nuts, but we're navigating it. And I would offer the same general idea that I have been in the past, because I get it. Like, first thing this morning, Jason Tatum into protocols. First thing this morning, DeLon Wright, replacement, awesome point guard to use for Trey Young, who is already in protocols. Now DeLon is in protocols. And I get it. This is tough. But I would once again offer the same advice I gave last week, which is see this as an opportunity and not as an impediment. I've long believed, and it's why I started this podcast, that if you bust your butt in fantasy sports, you should have a better chance of winning. It's why I prefer first come, first serve to auction. And I get it. Everybody's like, auction is, is more fair. Yeah, probably. But you know what? It's uh, First of all, it's way more work to set up your uh, this like laundry list of moves you want might want to make overnight in a roto league where you're making a bunch of moves all the time and there's no cap on it. It takes forever. You got to set your waiver priority. I mean, I had like nine guys in a waiver priority but it was really only three or four players. I just had to set up, all right, well, like, if I get beat on the first one, then I got to set it up as the second thing. So the first player I had one, and then the second player I was moving, and I had to set two, and the third player I was doing, I had to set three things because it's a hierarchy. 
I think you should be able to just go get the guy you want. That's more fun to me. If I'm watching a game or I'm watching the news stream by, if I'm watching something live on my TV and something crazy happens, I should be able to go spring on it. Forget outbidding somebody. If I'm faster, I win. That's like that's kind of the way life works. If you're faster to something, it's probably going to benefit you. Not, oh, well, you know, let's give Timmy time to catch up. He didn't watch the games. He's checking the box scores at 11.56 p.m. Screw that. But anyway, not the point of this little pre-reverse chronological lightning round rant. The point of this rant is see this as an opportunity. See this as a way where if you can keep better track of everybody that's in and out of protocols and you can make the better moves, you can win your head-to-head week. You can gain ground in your Roto League by having two to three guys on your team that are putting up top 60, top 70 weekly numbers for five days. Do it with two guys at a time. I mean, do that for a couple of weeks. You're talking about 5-10% of your overall season in a games cap format? See this as an opportunity. You can follow me on Twitter, by the way, at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Let's dive into reverse chronological lightning round. Starting with Sunday, the early game was Orlando and Miami, and Jimmy Butler's back. Thank the good Lord. That one took a while. That is a lot of my team's that are in much better shape as of uh, midday Sunday than they were first thing Sunday morning. Butler looked pretty good, rusty, albeit uh, no real surprise there. Kind of a nice little warm-up match against a zombie magic team, which, look, they're not very good even when they're at full strength. So Butler had 17-11-4, three steals. That's always the good stuff. Caleb Martin had a nice game off the bench. Gabe Vincent is filling in for Kyle Lowry right now, and by all accounts, he should have a path to a decent week without Kyle Lowry. Gabe Vincent is probably of the streamers, if you want to call the fringe guys, because, like, Tyler Hero got ejected in this ballgame, and, you know, he obviously would have done a lot more had he not been punted from it. Of the more fringy guys, which on this Miami team, I would put the fringy guys as Gabe Vincent, Max Struess, uh, Duncan Robinson, Omer Yurtseven, and Caleb Martin. Yeah, there's a bunch of them. The one you probably trust the most is Vincent because he is the fill-in point guard. So there's just going to be a couple of assists that roll his way. The roll of the dice guys are Max Struess, who thinks so very heavily built on whether or not he's hitting a bunch of three-pointers. And I feel like with Butler back, that is actually going to impact the guys that need the most volume the most. And then Yurtsevin, because with Dwayne Dedman hurting his knee over the weekend, suddenly... Omer's the only center left. And he missed both of his free throws, and he didn't have any steals or blocks. And frankly, we don't know enough about his stat set to say whether this was the type of repeatable thing, 16 points, 15 rebounds, but no defensive numbers. I don't really know. I don't think any of us really know what his NBA stat set is going to look like. But at 16 and 15, and all of the center minutes he can handle for presumably a couple of weeks here, you kind of have to take a shot on it. Like, they had to roll Udonis Haslam out there for 11 minutes in this ballgame. That was not on the season-long plan. 
fourth string center Udonis Haslam, player coach Udonis Haslam. So I think you can pick up Yurtsevin uh, or Gabe Vincent or even both when we're talking about streaming options. And with Vincent, you're talking it's you know it's Lowry dependent. Yurtsevin, it's dependent on Deadman and Bam Adebayo, and those guys are out for at least two weeks. Deadman presumably back a little bit sooner. Bam, I, I think probably still about three weeks away based on initial indications, maybe even a tiny bit more than that. Not a whole lot to go on with Orlando. Uh, Cole Anthony was out for just a standard rest day. This was not not a long-term thing. When he's out, Gary Harris gets a little bit more to do, and I think bumps up into the I would use them in Roto in addition to schedule stream stuff. Harris is more of a head-to-head, you know, rack-up-some-totals kind of guy when Anthony is in. And no, you're not worried about Franz Wagner. He's going to get his shots. This was just a game where... You know, they didn't have their main distributor in, so it's a bunch of guys that didn't really know who the good offensive players should be, who should get the ball, and yeah, 83 points is the end result of that. Philly blew out Washington. Wizards are without Bradley Beal, and uh, that's, you know, a team that's already a bit offensively inept. That can be a tad hamstringing. Beal, we hope, will be back in about a week. He's in protocols as well. Montrezl Harrell got ejected in this ballgame. But look, here's the thing. With Washington, I don't know that anyone on this team is going to have fantasy value while Beal is out. When he's in there, he creates enough space for a guy like a Daniel Gafford to get better looks. And yes, obviously, this was a tougher matchup. Gafford had 5,022 minutes against Joel Embiid. So you can generally, I think, start Gafford. But then beyond that, the intriguing name is Denny Avdia. He's been getting better. He's been getting a lot of hype as their defensive stopper. Those are the types of dudes that generally get more playing time as the the wheel of time rolls forward. But then Spencer Dinwiddie is the guy who you're like, oh, well, this, you know, he should be able to do everything right now with no Bradley Beal. He's the orchestrator. He's the creator. He's the only one left. And then, you know, wet fart at the free throw line later, two times in a row, I think you still have to trust Dinwiddie just because he's going to have to be out there enough and have enough usage to be an impact guy. But we talked even during the preseason. His field goal percent is not going to be good this year. And his free throw number isn't as good as you'd like it to be for someone who goes to the line often from the guard spot. It's a little bit of that D'Angelo Russell thing where both percentages are not very good. And then how much of the other stuff does it take to make up for? With D'Lo, at least he's getting steals. Dinwiddie doesn't get many steals. He doesn't get many threes either. Points leagues, obviously, you can throw him in there. There's no question there. On category leagues, meh. I don't know that you have to start anyone in a category league on Washington right now. And if you did, you'd go Gafford. On the Philly side, Danny Green is the one notable absence, absence excuse me, which means Matisse Thibault is going to start and play plenty of minutes. He only took one shot in 28 minutes of this ballgame. That's rough. But he got his two steals, his block, his four boards, his three assists, which I think with no Danny Green makes him a startable guy. Tyrese Maxey back. So at this point, start the starters with the Sixers. That make it easy on yourself. Cleveland blew out Toronto. I mean, Toronto is unrecognizable right now. They're starting five of DJ Wilson, Utah Watanabe, Svi Mikhailiuk, Chris Boucher, and Delano Blanton. None of these guys were supposed to be starting for them two weeks ago. So completely lost starting five. 
I would assume Raptors play early in the week, and then they have a bunch of days off, and then they got two games at the very end of the week, if I'm not mistaken, on the the scheduling stuff. So presumably, I don't know if anybody's going to be back for the Raptors game at the front end of this week, but I'm guessing at least one, maybe more of their main guys will be back for the two games. I think it's Friday, Sunday at the end of the week. So head-to-head-wise, this isn't a great spot, despite the fact that you have this fully revamped starting lineup. Roto, yeah, I mean, I I think almost any of the, uh, Watanabe and Chris Boucher are your safe ones because those are the guys taking all the shots in this offense, but you could even make an argument for Svee. He's been pretty good as a fill-in starter. I don't know that DJ Wilson is going to shoot six for eight again or get five defensive stats again. So probably those three I just mentioned, Boucher, Watanabe, and Mikhailuk at the beginning of this week. And then Boucher is the guy you hang on to even as people start to come back just to kind of see what happens there. With Cleveland, they're still missing a bunch of bodies, but at least they have a few left. Kevin Love slid into the starting five. He did kind of what he's been doing off the bench, which is just firing away, and it's been sweet. He's startable in all formats while the other big men are out, Mobley and uh, Jared Allen. Lowry Markinen woke back up. That's good. He was in a bit of a funk. Ricky Rubio's a go. Darius Garland is a go. Dean Wade is not a go. And Denzel Valentine is not a go. Memphis beat Sacramento in a big another blowout, 127-102. We got word in the morning yesterday that Dylan Brooks and DeAnthony Melton, Melton, of course, a, a fantasy analyst favorite, were placed in protocols. And for about 25 minutes, the whole fantasy landscape was like, ooh, this might be slow-mo time. And then the Grizzlies said, not so fast. We're starting John Conchar, who rolled out 28 minutes and posted a double-double. 11 points, 14 boards, a three ball, two steals, two blocks, three assists. Really a terrific fantasy line. And I think you probably have to just pick him up. This was a blowout. So the minutes are a little bit depressed across the board. Ja would have played more than 30. JJJ would have played more than 26. Desmond Bain is set to just destroy for the next week. I mean, he was playing well anyway, but extra boost. And then I wonder what happens with Brandon Clark. Do they go big for any stretch? Or does he settle right back into that sort of 15 to 20 minute willy wonty kind of role? But in the meantime, as long as Conchar is your starting small forward, uh, then he's a go. Did not see that one coming. Sacramento got a bunch of players back. Didn't matter. They still stink. Can't guard anybody. Tyrese Halliburton, he's been on a roll without a number of the guys uh, on the roster, but he continued his role with folks back, and he's now number 32 on a per-game basis this year and has played in 32 ball games. somehow kind of dodging the COVID stuff. Really terrific for Tyrese. There were complaints about his fantasy numbers at the beginning of this year. He's now beating his ADP on a per-game basis by over two rounds, and he is number 16 by totals, which does matter this year when half the NBA is just not playing in their games. He is. Harrison Barnes is startable. Chimezi Metu is not startable anymore. De'Aaron Fox, you can start. He's back in there. Um... He wasn't good, but he's back in there. And then Buddy Heald is no longer startable with Fox back and Terrence Davis back. They've encroached on Heald's kind of free run the last five, six days. 
One thing I do wonder about, something going on with Rashawn Holmes. He had 5,013 minutes of this ballgame. It just doesn't seem like he's quite all the way back from his eye injury yet. So Damian Jones picked up a whole bunch of playing time. But this is, if anything, if nothing, a massive buy-low opportunity on Rashawn Holmes. Go see what it'll take to get him. Uh, if you can get him for anything outside the top 50, it's a huge win. He's number 67 right now, but his number is kind of artific- artificially depressed by a few low-minute games, some foul trouble stuff, the game where he left with an injury. If you wipe those out, he moves right back inside the top 50. So look at some of the guys around Rashawn and see if those guys will get you Rashawn. Josh Hart is number 69. I doubt that would get the job done. Kyle Lowry hurt right now, but that probably would have done it. I don't know if I'd give up Middleton. He's been on the rise. Mikel Bridges, he's probably someone I would consider parting with, although he and Rashawn probably fall into a similar bucket. Gordon Hayward, he's not going any higher than mid-60s. He's someone I think you could give up. That's that's an interesting one. He's got some name value. Go get Rashawn Holmes for Gordon Hayward. Hayward feels like he's done more than he has this year. Low defensive numbers, low rebounds, not a ton of assists. He's just been kind of fine across the board. Go get someone who can do better than fine for your team. What about guys if you want a little bit higher? Eh, I don't know. Desmond Bain, he's about to go on a big-time run, so maybe now's not the time, but maybe halfway through his upcoming run. Mike Conley, someone you could part with for Rashawn Holmes. These are just guys that sort of aren't going to go higher, and we know Rashawn can when he's right. Love blowouts? We've got more for you. San Antonio destroyed Detroit. Kind of a zombie Pistons team right now. Luca Garza fouled out in 20 minutes. I think this actually is an opportunity for us. Because if he doesn't foul out, he plays more than 20 minutes. There's no question in my mind. I don't know that he really has what you'd call your traditional, delectable big man fantasy stat set. But he is certainly the backup Trey Lyles on this team. Lyles is in protocol. B. Stu is in protocol. Although here's the thing. Stewart's probably coming back in the next... At some point later this week. But if you can get one or two games of Garza starting playing 27 minutes or whatever it might be, it's probably still worth it. So I think I'd pick him up in a games cap format, see what you can get out of Garza. Not sure I'd do that in head-to-head. Sadiq Bey is a go because he's going to get all the usage he can possibly handle right now. Frank Jackson is probably a go in all formats. I don't like the fact that he's sort of abandoned ship on rebounding or passing. Not that he ever was particularly robust in those. But taking 19 shots... That's a guy that you can at least take a look at. And then Hamadou Diallo is a weird one because you need to have the right fantasy build for this one to matter. He could be fantastic for your team for the next two games, or he could be the thing that completely ruins your week. He went one for five at the free throw line with seven turnovers. Yikes. But hit a crap ton of two-pointers and got four defensive stats. So weigh the balance there. Points leagues, yeah, obviously go for it for a couple of games. Category leagues... You're really only taking that plunge if you are way out in front in free throws and you can just absorb it. I don't think his turnovers are going to be that high for the next couple of fill-in games. Look, here's the thing. With Detroit, if you're looking for fill-in, Garza, I think, is the one where you could look at and say, he's a center. That's a really easy spot on the floor to get fantasy value. That's the one I would look at. Uh, yeah, Bay. I, I I count Bay as just someone who's on teams right now, but he's throw him in there as well because he got off to such a terrible start this year. Now that everybody's out, he's someone you you definitely need to be using. And then Frank Jackson is sort of the next rung down. 
given how many great options there are streaming wise, we've already talked about today. I don't know that you need to go as far down the board as Frank Jackson. Spurs in a blowout win. Everybody got to play, so just throw this one out. No reason to dive too far into that number. Let's move along to the next one. OKC beat New Orleans 117-112. Josh Hart was the story on the New Orleans side, in addition to Brandon Ingram leaving with a sore Achilles. Hopefully that doesn't turn out to be a big deal. If it does, Devontae Graham is the guy who moves back up and over the cut line now that his usage gets the kick that it needed that it wasn't going to get when Ingram is in there and taking the most shots on the team. Garrett Temple played the extra minutes for Ingram. And to his credit, you know, we, we, we have seen Garrett Temple do enough fantasy-wise in the past. I, you just don't know the Ingram timeline, so I don't think I'm using a bunch of moves on this spot. I think I probably just continue to roll with the same guys we have been. And on the OKC side, that's a big bad I don't care. Shea is the one guy... You're using regularly. Lou Dort is the secondary option there. Uh, Aaron Wiggins played well, but I don't think that we're diving into that one, at least not until we see this type of stuff consistently. Let's keep moving. We got a lot to cover today. I don't want to take too much time on any one game unless it requires it. Chicago, don't care much. Lonzo Ball out. Kobe White is the fill-in point guard, but he's going to be the, the distant fourth option in that first unit, so pass thank you very much indy brogdon's still out which means we're finally kind of getting full-blown karis lavert took him about two months now to get to health but he's looking like it all of a sudden and you know maybe brogdon being out is the thing that clicked him into shape or maybe it's just that his back finally doesn't hurt so much Justin Holiday, two threes and two steals that's the stuff we've been tracking with him if he really does settle into this job then he ends up as a roto usable player. It's just hard to know because he hasn't been getting steals all season to this point. I would say keep an eye on Holiday. There's so many more intriguing kind of flash in the pan, one week fill in type options where we don't have to rely on a later round plotting type like Holiday. But maybe when all of this crazy COVID stuff, let's say COVID stuff, this wave passes which it will at some point probably in the next couple of weeks honestly because most of the nba is getting it or the folks that are going to get it are getting it that's just sort of how it works we don't know the folks that are fighting it off and didn't catch it despite an exposure but if we did we could sort of cross those names off the list as well like okay this guy's probably not going to get it or at least this variant i don't think we can cross off future stuff but now, that's the whole percent efficacy thing on vaccines. Some guys that got the booster and have been exposed to Omicron didn't get it because they fought it off. So they just won't. So I think we're farther into this thing than it feels like, even though, what are we at now? Like 20% of the NBA has hit protocols. It's probably a much larger number than that that are now sort of safe from being eliminated. But anyway, point of all of this is at some point, this wave is going to crest. And then a guy like Justin Holiday, is someone you're looking at, like, oh, maybe this can stick for the rest of the year. But right now, we don't have to look for sort of those quiet rest-of-season producers when we can be hunting for one-weekers or two-week guys like a Yurtsevin or Garza, who we talked about already, or Eric Bledsoe, who we're going to talk about here in just a second, while he's filling in for Reggie Jackson. And Reggie Jackson would have been filling in for Paul George as the lead ball handler, but again, you're sort of two rungs down the totem pole. And forget the fact that Terrence Mann is the direct 
fill-in for Paul George, Bledsoe is the guy who moves up the pecking order. That's what we need to be looking at here. So with no Hartenstein and no Marcus Morris, who, by the way, cleared protocols. He just wasn't reconditioned yet. Bledsoe and Ivica Zubats had huge ball games against Denver yesterday. Terrence Mann, 11-7-8, solid performance. We've seen him sort of fluctuate up and down in terms of his actual fantasy production. So I trust Mann a little bit less. Nick Batum, I think we can move on from. He's just sort of, he's regressed back into the doing nothing iteration of himself, which makes me think he's probably still hurt. And then looking forward, when Reggie Jackson comes back, he was quite good with Paul George out because he got assists in addition to his sort of high-volume, low-efficiency scoring stuff, when you add on that one extra category, that moved him into the must-start territory. So keep a close watch on the point guard stuff. When Reggie Jackson comes back, move from Bledsoe stream to Jackson stream. Although there's a chance that Bledsoe might actually be worth using in that window as well. We just don't know for sure, and you could probably give it one game to see what shakes out. Same story in the front court. As Marcus Morris comes back, as Isaiah Hardenstein comes back, what does that do to Ivica Zubots? In the meantime, you're just rolling him out there. I think we might see Marcus Morris tonight. I don't know if I'd start him in his first game back, but when he gets going, he's probably the starting power forward on this team, and he's probably going to take 13, 14, 15 shots a game, which, as we've seen before, makes him a fantasy-relevant player. He needs over 12 shots a night. Will Barton was a little bit better on the Denver side. Thank goodness for that. He's been quite bad lately, and we talked about it on Friday's show. You're not dropping him, but it was perfectly reasonable to bench him because Denver's kind of been Nikola Jokic against the universe of late, and he'd love it, I'm sure, if Barton came back and started contributing uh, as he had previously. And I suppose you could just start them both and kind of close your eyes and hope that Barton actually does what you'd want him to do. A reminder, of course, before we turn the clock back to Saturday on our lightning round performance here, that this show, as all of our shows right now, brought to you by our buddies at ThriveFantasy.com. Prop up with the Thrive Fantasy app available on Apple and Android devices, or just do it on the computer the way your friend Dan does it here, because I'm an old man with old man tendencies. ThriveFantasy.com. Want to know how it works? I'll be happy to tell you. It's quite simple. You just need to know what the superstars are going to be doing on a given night. No longer must you toil in the buckets of deep bench options. Although right now, that's probably, uh, that's everybody. (laughs) The deep bench are the starters right now. But props, overs, unders, what do you think LeBron's going to do? What do you think Giannis is going to do? Get it right. Pick 10 out of the 20 options. Get them right. And you win money. It's that easy. You don't need to know whether or not Stanley Johnson was going to get big minutes for the Lakers in his season debut in LA. You needed to know what LeBron, what Russ was going to do in that game. That's how Thrive works. You understand the superstars? You rack up points based on how many of those props you get right, and that'll win you a share of the money. Right now, use our promo code ETHOS, E-T-H-O-S, when you sign up at ThriveFantasy.com. ETHOS, and get yourself a 100% deposit match bonus. 
do what I asked you to do last week. Take the money, the free money that we've been getting over at mybookie.ag and just flip it over into Thrive Fantasy and then you can be making money in both places with no of none of your own skin in the game. It's all free. It's all free money coming from my bookie. And they can use that and you can keep doubling it up over at Thrive. The 100% deposit match bonus also includes free contest entries at thrivefantasy.com. You can do it, get it up to $100. They'll match it. And for only a $10 deposit, you get the $10 bonus and you get a pair of $20 contest entry fees. So go try it out. Give them a, give them a try with the free stuff we've been getting you at MyBookie. Go to thrivefantasy.com. Again, sign up using promo code ETHOS or click on the links we've been posting on the interwebs. Saturday, head back to Saturday. The funny thing about reverse chronological lightning round right now is that by the things we've seen in some of these games are already fully obsolete. Usually at least the weekend is still relevant on Monday. Not lately. Knicks beat the Hawks on Christmas morning. Another change up in rosters and lineups on the, well, both sides. Atlanta, we got a big game out of DeLon Wright. He's in protocols. There was a big game out of John Collins. He's in protocols. Cam Reddish isn't. Bogdan Bogdanovich isn't, and Clint Capella is back. So as you look at Atlanta, and then maybe we get Trey Young back here in the not-too-distant future, which would sort of simplify things, but at least for right now, it sure seems like Bogdan, Cam, and Capella are guys you can trust going into Atlanta's game while we wait on news of anybody coming back from protocols. On the Knicks side, not as much protocol-related as, hey, look, Kemba is actually still good-related triple-double in the Christmas morning game. He didn't shoot the ball particularly well, but again, you get a triple-double out of your point guard, you're probably not going to fight about it, especially when he makes his free throws. Uh, R.J. Barrett was back. He was terrible. Not surprisingly, he was quite rusty, missed most of his shots and both of his free throws. But the real news in this game, I thought, was Alec Burks being shuffled back to the bench and the Knicks starting R.J. Barrett and Evan Fournier and Kemba Walker. I'm not really sure what position any of these guys play. I guess Kemba's technically the point guard, but between Fournier and Barrett, they're sort of a wash. Burks struggled again, played just 17 and a half minutes. I think you can probably turn that into a streaming slot now. Barrett was only a points uh, league option anyway. Evan Fournier somehow didn't really take advantage of the fact that everyone on the team was out. And so, no, I don't trust him either. Certainly in the short term here, though, with the reconfiguration in New York, Mitchell Robinson is a is an all-systems go right now because Nerlens Noel is in protocols. Kemba's a go. Well, Julius is a go. And that might be about as far as we can take it. I think Burks, I don't know how you start him with him if he's coming off the bench again. The whole point, and the excitement at, le- at least that I had around Alec Burks, Alec Burks, was that he was starting and playing 35, 37 minutes a game. And all of a sudden, and maybe Tibbs looked at him and was like, ah, this guy's tired. Anyway, onward and upward. Milwaukee got Giannis back, and they were slightly different as a basketball team, not surprisingly. Bobby Portis also back. DeMarcus Cousins still got the start in this one, but that's about to flip, I would assume, for the next ballgame. And the fact that now the, the three big guns are back means that you can go back to not streaming the other guys on Milwaukee. They become uh, very much just Drew, Giannis, Middleton, Portis, and that is all you need. Dante DiVincenzo, by the way, played in this ball game, but he's not an ad either. Jason Tatum hit protocols for uh, Boston. We mentioned that at the uh, top of the show, but didn't really talk about it. 
Marcus Smart is questionable with a cut on his right hand. Schroeder's in protocols already. Josh Richardson is about due to come out of them just based on timeline. I think he's been in protocols for about nine days now. And if he does clear them, Jay Rich is probably set to have a pretty good ball game. If he doesn't, Peyton Pritchard is going to play a bunch, especially if both Tatum and Smart are out. If it's only Tatum that misses time, it's a bit less set in stone. You probably just get more Jalen Brown, more Marcus Smart, more Time Lord. Is Horford getting close to coming back? To me, there's kind of too much in the air with Boston to say, yeah, you got to go out and pick up so-and-so for a a protocol-related stream because there are guys going out and guys coming back at the same time. Too much confusion. Draymond Green is in protocols for the Warriors. Uh, I think you can pick up Kevon Looney. I tweeted it over the weekend. This feels like ages ago that the Draymond news happened, but it was, I think it was yesterday. I, I don't really know. I mean, Jonathan Kaminga is going to get to play a little bit more. Nemanja Bjelica is going to play a little bit more. But Looney was already playing in the mid-20s and minutes most games. So that bumping up even by four or five more center minutes that Dre was playing at that spot means Looney's probably good for a double-double and maybe a block and a half, something like that. It's not going to be Draymond Green type stuff. But that's not what you're looking for. You're looking for what guys can move from way outside the cut line to inside of it. And I think Looney's that guy. As long as Wiggins and Poole are out, Otto Porter remains a good start. As long as Poole and Lee are out, Gary Payton is a potential start on the Warriors' side. And I believe they play again tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, you can kind of get out in front of that thing a little bit. I think Looney's my favorite just because at least we know we have a full week of him probably doing stuff. Otto's been great. You just have to be concerned about Wiggins coming back. He's probably not too far away. And I think Poole's not too far away either. Didn't those guys guys get knocked out around the same time about a little over a week ago? Phoenix hanging in there, sort of. Jay Crowder's in protocols. You just hope that that's not the front end of a team-wide thing it very well could be though that's kind of the way it starts one guy's got it and then everybody else is two days later short term cam johnson is going to get to do a ton with jay crowder out and then everybody the, the main cogs will each do just a little bit more simple enough cam johnson's been getting streamed anyway because of how long devin booker was out but if he got dropped in between booker coming back and crowder going out then maybe you can go and retrieve him Brooklyn got some bodies back. Nets needed them. James Harden, huge in his return. A triple-double. Patty Mills had one of his catch-fire games. Although, again, Mills, Bruce Brown, DeAndre Bembry, these are guys that are all about to track down as Brooklyn inches closer and closer to getting healthy. Uh, Nicholas Claxton, someone you can use as long as LaMarcus Aldridge is out. And then with Mills... You know, Mills, Brown, and Bembry, I'm not sure any of those guys is going to be worth using in Roto when Kevin Durant comes back. And he's likely close. I don't know that he plays in this one because they're in NLA for another one against the Clippers. And then they fly back across the country. That's probably when you get KD. So if you really wanted to go one game here against the Clippers, Mills is probably someone you could drop in. We know Bruce Brown, his, his fantasy stuff tracks. Bembry has those massive issues with his free throw shooting. Claxton is a go you got a few options on Brooklyn, but they're probably, they're probably all one-game streams 
I'm guessing Brooklyn gets a bunch of guys back for their next game back at home or back on the East Coast, excuse me. I didn't bother to check if it was at home. Uh, For the Lakers, LeBron was very good. And you got a bigger game out of Carmelo Anthony. But L.A. is in a weird spot right now because LeBron and Russ are going to play a ton. They signed Stanley Johnson and Darren Collison to 10-day contracts, and Collison was a mess. He looked like he hadn't played in a while. Stanley Johnson had at least played basketball recently, and he actually made them better. Picked up a bunch of fouls and didn't do much offensively, but at least was guarding people, which is more than you can say about almost everyone else on the Lakers. L.A.'s playing some of the worst defense in the NBA outside of maybe Sacramento, but just a complete lack of awareness of where people are supposed to be. I mean, If you watched the first quarter of that Lakers-Nets game, you saw, I don't know, six, seven possessions where Nets were wide open and two Lakers were guarding the same guy on the wrong side of the floor. Just no communication, no defensive awareness at all. And I don't know who you put that on. I think THT was responsible for a couple... Ellington was responsible for a couple. Mello came in, and he was missing assignments left and right. They ended up going with a heavy dose of Mello, Malik Monk, Stanley Johnson as the other guys besides LeBron and Westbrook. And that was when the Lakers made a little bit of their run because at least Stanley Johnson had some idea of where he was supposed to be, and they could kind of cover up for Mello's bad defense. And you could see Monk was trying. He was closer. He's like somewhere in the middle of that pack. So I don't know. I really don't know what the Lakers are up to. Guys are going to keep coming back. I don't really like almost any of these guys outside of LeBron for a Roto format stream. I don't know that I like them for head-to-head either just because there's so much of a hot hand thing going and who can actually get anywhere near the player they're supposed to be guarding. Certainly, if you drafted Russ, you're probably playing him, but you shouldn't have drafted him, and so we move along from that. Utah beat Dallas 120-116. This was actually kind of a fun ball game. Donovan Mitchell hurt his lower back, and he's likely to miss, I believe, two games. Was the, He's not going on their short road trip. That means a, a heavy dose of Jordan Clarkson. We saw that last year. He's going to get uh, a lot of shots. I saw Joe Ingles getting picked up, but he's actually one more injury away. If you have Clarkson already, he's generally rostered, then you should just feel a tiny bit better about him. And it's kind of the first news of any kind out of Utah all year, perhaps. And with Dallas, Kristaps Porzingis came back. That's good. That generally means that everybody else is not going to be good anymore, outside of Jalen Brunson, who continues to fill in for Luka Doncic. So just go back to those two guys. Don't worry about everybody else on that side. We've already told you about my bookie. We've already told you about Thrive Fantasy. This is my opportunity to do my mid-show beg. Yes, that's right. I'm begging. Drop a five-star review on the podcast, folks, because I haven't bothered you guys about it in a while. Open up the podcast app on your mobile device or go to the podcast tab in iTunes on your computer. Hey, I heard that Spotify is adding an ability to rate and review. So if you listen to it on Spotify and you've subscribed, I think you can now actually leave a review over there. So that's kind of cool. Uh, But please do it on podcast app or on iTunes. That's the one that really drives things. And we want to try to pile up some ratings between now and uh, next season when the big preseason wave hits. And we don't have a Friday to cover because there were no games on Friday. So that was it. We're not doing all 30 teams today. I think we, how many of those clubs did we do? We got through like 25, 26 of them. So pretty close. 
But a couple teams had some days off. We already talked about them way, way back. And we can reset your brains with them on social media. Ah, yes. Good old social media. Follow me on Twitter, at Dan Vespers. Make sure to follow the Sports Ethos Fantasy feed, at Ethos Fantasy BK. BK for basketball, because we're going to be starting other sports here at Sports Ethos in the not-too-distant future. It is the best fantasy news feed on this planet. And as we sign off, we just got word that Washington is hopeful that Bradley Beal might be able to play as early as tomorrow. Can you believe that? Not vaccinated, but apparently, I guess, asymptomatic and worked his way through it quickly. Or, I guess it's possible that this was just an exposure. We never even thought about that angle. We all just assumed, myself included, that Beal caught it again. But he might have just had a close exposure. And so the quarantine, perhaps only a week. We shall see. That would be great news for tomorrow. uh, And would certainly move Spencer Dinwiddie way back outside the cut line. But we can talk about that on tomorrow's pod which I think is going to be with our buddy Adam King. I guess I should probably talk to him and make sure we're on for tomorrow. You'll find out when you find out. Once again, Fantasy NBA Today, the name of the show, Sports Ethos, the name of the company, Dan Bespris, the name of the me. Have a great Monday, everybody. I'll talk to you on the internet. I guess that's where I'm talking to you anyway, but I'll do it on Twitter. How about that? So long, everybody. <laughs>